just a few years ago, I met this gentleman who's with us here today, and uh, almost 30 years ago now, and Bob and I met, and we were first planning our church. Bob was with us twice while we were in Cameron Park. And then, how many have had life when people, you have friends, relationship, and it seems like life goes on different paths, but you're kind of on a, you're both headed in the same direction. You just went different routes, and you end up there. And uh, then this last year, when Chris Tomlin came, and uh, they did the night of worship at ARCO, or at whatever it's called now, and uh, Sleep Train, Golden, it's something now. So... At the, at the place, when they did the thing at the place, uh, I got to reconnect with my friend Bob Kilpatrick, and uh, he, 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 he used to have the microchip band with him. He actually fired them, so now he's flying solo, and, uh, but just an awesome friend, an awesome minister, and great friend, so you're blessed to be and have our dear friend Bob Kilpatrick with us. Come on, my brother Bob. We love you, man. So good to Thank have you, you here. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> What a pleasure. Good morning, everybody. He was born in Redding, California. Right? Raised in Redding, mostly. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. I was raised around the world, but my parents are from South Carolina and Georgia. This guy sounds more Southern than I do. So I will... He called a woman in the, in the lobby this morning. He goes, good morning, Miss Barbara. And I'm going, man, you sound like all my people, you know. Because that's what my, my people are saying. Good morning, Miss Barbara. How you doing today, Miss Barbara? It's lovely to see y'all. <laughs> and when I get tired, I sound like that. You know, I get tired and my, and my whole California facade just slips away, you know. And I just go, hey, how y'all doing this morning? So that's what I'll be this morning. Good morning. How you doing? You like going to church? Yeah. Were you dragged here? No. So, yeah, I was. You know. <laughs> You're here because you want to be, aren't you? And I'm going to tell you something. This is not an Elks Club. This is not a hospital. This is not a bar. This is not a prison. It's church. This is not the mall. You came with some kind of an expectation, Right? Some people come, they just want to sing about God, just say some sweet things about him. It's like, uh, you know, give him, get him, giving him a ditto. You're all right. And God's going, boy, I'm sure glad you approve. <laughs> I really appreciate that. It's nice of you. <laughs> Do you know why we call it a worship service? It's because it's our service of worship. You didn't come here to receive. You came here to give. You came here to give your worship. The acknowledgement of your life to say you are God and I am not. I'm a created thing. You made me for your pleasure. Woo! That rankles us because we like to think of ourselves as self-made people. Nobody tell me what to do. I'm entitled. I got my rights. Really? What rights do you have? I'd like to know because I don't have any. I was made for someone else's pleasure. We come because we sometimes need reminding. I do. We need reminding that, th that we're not alone. I'm not the only one that believes like this. You hear these people. This morning, I love to hear people worship. I'm always on the front row just drinking it in, you know. Because I love to hear the saints of God, the people who belong to him, lifting their voices together. There's something wonderful about music because it allows us it's better than, than um, congregational reading, you know, responsive reading kind of a thing. Because it's got this art to it, that music thing. It's got math to it, the symmetries of the notes, you know. It's got the um, intellect. You, you can make a harmony. You can sing a different part. In other words, we are all singing the same part, and we're in unity, but we're not in uniformity. And that's the beauty of God's family is that he makes us uh, unified, but not the same. You're different, and I hear your voice, and you're singing a different harmony, hopefully. <laughs> and I hear the timbre of your voice, and I recognize it. Week after week, I hear it, I go, oh, yeah, there's John. Oh, there's Susan. You know? And the beauty of it is that I can pick your voice out. 
and we're, we're different. You know, sometimes people want to gather together by uh, affinity groups. So they want to have Jesus plus. You're into motorcycles? So am I. Let's make a Christian motorcycle. Luis nunca sonríe. You're a knitter? So am I. So we got knitters for Jesus and left-handed bowlers for Christ and Christian motorcycle club, you know. It's all Jesus plus. But when we come to church, there's no plus. It's just Jesus. We are here not because of our uniformity. We're unified without being uniform. Do you get it? And the beauty of the, of the family of God is that our uniformity is not, I mean, our, excuse me, our unity is not necessitated by our uniformity. It's not because we're, we all have the same interests. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a great little book called Life Together. And in it, he talks about the fact that we are all removed from all of the rest of humanity to Jesus when we meet him. And then we are given back. But when we're given back, we only know people through the cross. Henceforth know we no man after the flesh, Paul said. And we, our fellowship becomes not around motorcycles or bowling or knitting, but it becomes around Jesus. And we fellowship in him. And that's what I love. I, I love to go to church because I look around and I see people. They're all different, you know. It's, it's not uniform. It's precisely the, the um, differences between us that enrich us. Make us, uh, make us a body, a functioning body of Christ. So I'm glad to be here. I like going to church. And I'm glad you're here by choice, not by force. <laughs> My name is Bob. I live in Sacramento, Fair Oaks, actually. Since, since you're close, see, I could tell you actually where I live. If I'm elsewhere, I go. I live in Sacramento because they don't know Fair Oaks. But I live in Fair Oaks. And uh, I'm a married man. I married a woman. Yeah, these days we specify. Her name is Cindy. And Cindy and I started living together right after we got married. <laughs> Raise your kids to do that. We thought it was a good thing. Get married first and then, you know, live together. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Know what I mean? That's a euphemism. And because we were living together, we started having children, you know. A year and nine days after we married, we had a son then son number two, and then son number three, and then son number four, and then something different. It's a girl. I didn't know we made that kind. All right. <laughs> I love it, man. I'm so glad I, you know, when she came out and I saw she was different than what it came before, you know, I just love it. And of course she's spoiled. Yes, she's spoiled, but so are my sons. Because I don't think you can ever spoil a child enough with love. Spoil them with love and discipline. Discipline, the expression of love, raise some good kids. And God has been very good to me. I'm a blessed man. My oldest son is a writer. In fact, he was the uh, associate editor of the Pentecostal Evangel for about five years. Written lots of books with people. Wrote Bill Johnson's uh, second book, Supernatural Power Transform Mind. Wrote uh, Tommy Barnett's last three books. Bunch of others, you know. He's just a great, he's a really godly guy. My second son is a designer. He did uh, lots of websites. And, you know, he, in fact, he did a couple of them for, uh, for the Israeli government, which was kind of fun, you know. And then uh, my third son is in commercial real estate here in the Sacramento area. And my fourth son is a musician, worship leader. And then my daughter, she's a newlywed, so she's just worthless. You know. <laughs> it's like, oh, Eric, whatever you want, dear, sweetheart. Yeah, she'll get over it. <laughs> you did, didn't you? Did <laughs> all the wives are going, yes, I did. I did. I sure did. You know? And my kids are all married and breeding. So I think we're part rabbit. Because um, we are expecting our 20th grandchild in about two weeks. So, you know, that, that first command, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, we took that one seriously. You know, <laughs> we mean this thing, you know. Lots of Kilpatricks. But I love it. I love being a husband. I love being a father. I love being a grandfather. I just think it's the coolest thing ever happened to me. I know people in the music business, you know, and their family got in the way of what they wanted to do. And I look at them and I go, this is what I wanted to do. 
I wanted to get married and commit myself to one woman for the rest of my life. And then I wanted to have children with her. And I wanted to see both of us reflected in their faces. And then I wanted to see them grow up and become the kind of people we'd want to have as friends. And then to get married themselves and have children. And This is what I wanted to do. It's not getting in the way. It is what I wanted. And I just, man, I, I love it. I love it. I've had the privilege of doing a lot of uh, things. I'm kind of an experience addict. I'll do anything. I, I bungee jumped from a 150-foot crane in Orlando, Florida. My jump master, Brent, young guy with a big cold sore on his lip, when he introduced himself to me, I'm your jump master, Brent. I went, I'm going to die today. <laughs> but he took me up that crane. He tells me, step out there and close my eyes and just lean forward. And I go, hey, jump master, Brent. I came up here to dive at the earth and live, so I'm not closing my eyes. Whatever, dude. That's what he said to me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> He's sitting back there where it's safe. I'm standing on the edge, you know. And I looked out, watched the sunset going down over Orlando, and I'm twice as high as the rest of the hotels. And then I just looked at the ground. There's my friend videotaping down. I didn't tell my wife I was doing this. I just showed her the videotape later, right? And then I just dove at the earth, and I watched it the whole way, and I'm still here. Amen. Well, that's cool, man. I'll do that again any day, you know. And I, and I, I like having experiences. I like having, doing new things. I've traveled a lot. I've had the privilege of producing. Luis nunca sonríe. And uh, I wrote a column for a long time and did radio. Uh, Caleb and some other uh, networks carried my devotional, you know, three times a day, and write books and make albums and all that kind of stuff. Luis nunca sonríe. But you know what I'm going to be remembering? Besa el arco iris, saborea el arco iris. It's not the air conditioner. Is that your computer? If that's Jesus, he sounds different. <laughs> I wasn't expecting him to sound like that. He doesn't sound like that when he talks to me. He comes in many disguises, doesn't he? So of all the things I've, I get to do, all the things I have done, all the things I'm going to do, you know what I'm going to be remembered for? Everybody's life gets squeezed down, you know? If, if anybody wants to write an obituary, it's going to be like, one sentence, a title at the top, and then a couple, maybe a paragraph or two. And I was reading the obituaries and a few years ago, and I read Robert Louis Louis Morris dies. It's the guy that wrote, Hallelujah, oh baby, say we gotta go now. Lift your hands, I'll sing it with me. <laughs> I'm so glad you got that. Sometimes. I've been in places in some, in some churches, you go, lift your hands and sing it. Like, I can't even believe he even suggested we do that. Like, they're so easily offended. You know, you go in, you go, good morning, and they go, what did you mean by that? <laughs> I think I meant goodbye. I'm going to go now. I'm just leaving before it gets trouble. I'm so glad you got it. And so one time I went, lift your hands and sing it with me, and this guy goes, God will accept it, I guess, you know. So I'm reading the obituaries, and this guy died, the guy that wrote Louis Louis. By the way, no dirty lyrics in that song. He was a Christian, and uh, he was always miffed that people thought he'd written some dirty lyrics to that song, but he didn't. They're all good. And so he passed away, lived in Tacoma, Washington. And I'm reading his obituary, and then I, I realized, man, as soon as I read that, I go, oh, I realized what my obituary is going to look like. It's going to say, Bob, Lord be glorified, Kilpatrick dies. Because of everything I, I do, or have done, I'm going to be remembered for a little song that says, In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. Sing it for me. In be glorified. Let me hear you sing it. Say
<laughs> Man, that is, you just don't know the blessing. You know, every songwriter wants people to hear their songs, right? And it would be even cooler if they sang their songs. But the coolest is when people pray your song. Then it becomes eternal, you know? That is such a blessing. That is such a blessing. I wrote that song. It's kind of ironic to me because I wrote it as a prayer for my wife and me to sing. And I wasn't ever going to sing it publicly. I was sitting in my mother-in-law's living room in Atwater, California. And my wife came in and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm writing a little song for you and me to sing backstage. She was singing with me at the time. And um, I said, I've just written this little song for me and you. It's a little prayer song for backstage. We're not going to sing this one publicly. And my wife says, no, no, you have to sing that song. And I said, no, you don't understand. This is just for me and you. And she said, oh, no, you don't understand. That song is a gift from God to his people. And if you don't sing it, you're going to have to answer for that. <laughs> she kind of pulled out the big guns on me, you know. But I'm an obedient husband. And I did it. And you know what? She was right. God took that song, gave it away to his people all over the world. I mean, it took off. I wasn't in the music business then. I'm still not in the music business. I'm in the music ministry. There's a difference. But I didn't know anything about getting songs out and publishing and, you know, all that stuff. I had no idea. I had, what I'm telling you is I had nothing to do with it. It just took off around the world. South America, we sing, En mi vida, gloria te doy, Señor. In Russia, we sing, in Australia, we sing, in my life, Lord, be glorified, mate. <laughs> so this friend of mine years ago pointed out to me that this song has my style. It kind of sounds like I wrote it. And I thought, that's true, it does. I wonder what this song would have sounded like if somebody else had written it. And uh, I came up with a, a couple of ideas. This is what I think, Lord, be glorified, might have sounded like if Frank Sinatra had written it. I want two... A one, two, three, well in my life, Lord, I say, be glorified, baby. Be glorified, well in my life, Lord. Be glorified, be glorified, be glorified today. Or if Elvis had written, Lord, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified, hey, be glorified. Or if the Beatles had written, Lord, be glorified. One, two, three. In my life, Lord, in my life, Lord, be glorified today. Be glorified today. Or if Willie had wrote it. <laughs> Lord be glorified. Just can't wait to sing Lord be glorified. In my life, Lord be glorified today. I can't wait to sing Lord be glorified. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, maybe we should, you know, cleanse our palates and sing it the original way. Just so we remember it properly the next time we want to pray this little musical prayer. So if you know it, would you sing it with me again? And if you don't know it, hey, it's only five notes, seven words, simplest of prayers. Sing it with me. It goes like this. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today. Let me hear you sing it again. Say it.
Thank you. Thanks for singing that. It just doesn't ever get old to me. The blessing. The blessing. Elton John's guitar player got saved while they were singing that song. People come up and tell me, you know, stories. And I had one of those music business guys one time was hanging around at one of my concerts and he's standing with me afterwards and a lady came up and said, I got saved while they were singing that song and she gave me a hug and I said, thank you so much. She left and that guy looks at me and goes, ha, doesn't that get old? And I said, no, and I don't want to be you. I don't want I I to ever get so cynical that that doesn't touch me. Because it's such a great blessing. Such a great privilege. Amen. I was producing an album for some friends of mine named Phil Keggy and Randy Stonehill. And they wanted to use a song I'd written, but they kept teasing me about how much like the Beatles it sounds. And I have to admit that every song I write kind of sounds like the Beatles wrote it, didn't like it, threw it away, and I went dumpster diving outside their house, you know. <laughs> I just... Beetle trash, beetle leftovers, that's what I do, you know. But if you know Phil and Randy, you know they're kind of like the Lennon and McCartney of Christian music, right? So it was a good fit for them, and it's a good fit for us this morning as well. And the message of the song, it's simple. God doesn't promise that we'll always have pleasant paths or wonderful weather. What he promises is that no matter the path or the weather, we'll always have him. When you're in the valley of despair Feels as though you always will be there Let your heart be strong Though the road is long There's a way to go For soon enough the path will start to rise To mountains high and clear and sunny skies The way will take you high the way will take you low That's the way it goes That's the way it goes sometimes Things are going to work out fine Rain will fall and then Sun will shine again That's the way it goes Yeah, yeah, yeah And when the raging waters rush away and it feels like you won't last another day let your heart be brave the calming of the waves is dearer than you know oh, oh, oh. for stormy days will be a distant dream la 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 floating in a still and quiet stream the river will run fast the river will run slow Cause that's the way it goes That's the way it goes sometimes Things are going to work out fine Rain will fall and then Sun will shine again That's the way it goes Life's a mystery and we don't always see God's hand But He's the Lord of love and wonder One day we will understand Yeah, yeah That's the way it goes sometimes Things are going to work out fine Rain will fall and then Sun will shine again That's the way it goes sometimes Things are going to work out fine Rain will fall and then Sun will shine again That's the way it goes When I first wrote that song, the message of it was reversed. It wasn't so happy. It said, that's the way it goes sometimes. Things don't always work out fine. The sun will shine and then the rain will fall again because that's the way it goes. 
I was having a bad day. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I lived in Reading at the time. And uh, I didn't mean that that way, but that's funny. <laughs> I did. I lived out on Placer Road, and I was just driving home from somewhere, and I was just having a bad day, and I was just griping. It felt like I was in a battle with the universe. You ever feel like that? You know, when you hit, you reach for something, and your finger hits it instead of, and it hurts, and you drop your pen out of your pocket, and you go to pick it up, and your phone falls out, and you pick your phone up, your pen falls out again. You know, that's like one of those days. And I was just, so I'm driving home, and I'm grouchy, griping at God and the universe, you and everybody else, and I'm singing, writing this song. That's the way it goes sometimes. Things don't always work out fine. Yeah, I just get used to it. Got home, and I sang it for my wife, and she went, cheerful. <laughs> so I changed it. <laughs> But life is still hard to understand, isn't it? Isn't it weird? I mean, you know, you try to understand, you can't understand. You know, it's like, life is absurd. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, can you explain to me hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, giraffes? It doesn't make any sense. But you know what? We, we like sense. We like things to make sense. So we're always trying to make sense out of things. You know those Christians that as soon as something bad happens to you, they come up to you with their Bible. I see why this is happening. See, I know why this is happening to you. And I'm, I want to run away from those people. No, you don't. Get away. Because how can any, life is absurd. And nobody has the explanation. Nobody's got a key in the back of their Bible that gives the answers to all the questions. In fact, you know what? I think it's a misrepresentation of Jesus to say that he's the answer or the solution. Because life is not a problem with an easy solution that will make you happy once you find it. Wouldn't it be great? How many of you know any grouchy Christians? So the problem-solution-happiness thing didn't work. Maybe you're one of them. I am sometimes. <laughs> Jesus did not answer all my questions. Remember that little kid in Sunday school, you know, the teacher's asking them questions, and she's, nobody's answering the questions, you know, because she's frustrated they're not paying attention. She's asking them, how, you know, I'm feeding a mile. What, what is this little animal? I'm pointing to this little squirrel. What is this little animal in this foot? And finally one of the kids goes, I know that the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it just looks like a squirrel to me. <laughs> See, we try, to, we try to make Jesus the answer, and everybody goes, you know what? I know that what you're saying is not even true. You know what we do? We, we tell these Christian lies. We tell these lies about God because we want to represent the gospel in the very best way. And sometimes in trying to do that, we put a false face on it because what we say isn't true. Come to Jesus and he'll take away all your problems. Hey, I'm, I'm signing up for that right now. I've been a Christian for a long time, but I want that because I don't have it yet. You know, do you remember that song? People gave these guys a lot of grief when they went... But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And everybody went, you guys are supposed to be Christians. You're supposed to have found it. Well, I'm telling you, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm walking with Jesus, but I'm not happy all the time. Sometimes I'm grouchy. Life is a mystery. The point of becoming a Christian is not that you suddenly have the answer to all your questions and you suddenly have the solution to the master problem. The point is this, that you suddenly realize that life is a mystery and it's okay for you to be mystified and still love God. You know what our prayers, most of our prayers have to do with two things. We want, we want God to do something for us or we want God to tell us something. How many of you have been praying for the will of God? You ever spent any time on your knees just praying, God, show me your will? And how many of you got an answer? Well, I'm going to tell you something. My son was asking me for some advice the other day, and he's saying, we're just wondering if, if we should move here or there. And I said, you know, and I'm, he said, I'm just trying to get clarity. And I said, well, good luck with that. Good luck with the clarity thing, because uh, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been doing this ministry for 40 years and one month. February of 1976, I started traveling and singing. I told my son, 
I've never once had clarity on the direction God was taking me. God never told me, go left, go right, don't go there. Not once. Here's what happened. I would always agonize. I would pray. I'd be saying, God, what is it you want? And then I would finally go, you know what? I have to make a decision, so I'm going to do this. Let me tell you something about the priests when they were crossing over from the desert into the promised land. When did the water part? It's after they took a step. You take a step, that's when the water parts. Somebody sent me a poem. I wish I could quote it because it's pretty, but the way I say it isn't that pretty. (laughs) But it said essentially this. We're always asking for God to shine a light on our path, and he's asking us to put our hand in his and walk into the darkness. We want information. God wants trust. We want guidance. God wants trust. Why is it dark? Because I don't want you relying on your sight. I want you holding on to my hand. Don't get close to that. Get close to me. Right? Life's a mystery. And we don't always see God's hand. Like that song said, but he's the Lord of love and wonder, and one day we will understand. My 20-year-old nephew, Matt, died of leukemia. He was going to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry up in Reading. It's our home church, and people were praying for him every day. They believe in healing. We were praying, but he died. He died. His dad, my brother-in-law, and my best friend, Jeff, wasn't just my brother-in-law, he's my best friend. He, uh, I led him to the Lord when he was 18 years old, terrible lifestyle back in Indiana. I was on staff at Bethel at the time, and so he came and moved out to California to live with us up in Redding, and, and uh, God did a marvelous change in his life. He ended up becoming, uh, he was a terrible student in high school, <laughs> but God just transformed him, and he got an interest. He went back to college. He became Dr. Jeff Shively, neuropsychologist. Just remarkable what God did in him. But at the time, he just moved out, and he's living with us, just a young guy going to college. And he met this young girl at our church at Bethel there, and he uh, wanted to marry her. I was just newly ordained to the ministry. He asked me to perform the ceremony. It felt like spanking our gang. Hey, let's put on a play. You know, it just felt like we were playing the part. I'm, I'm the pastor? I now pronounce you? This is weird. It was like, it was like dress up, you know, because we were so young. But it took. I, I married them. I now pronounce you man and wife. And they, they you know, got married. It worked. <laughs> and then we kept having kids, and they started having kids, and we raised our kids together because we're not only family, but we're, we're best friends. And now here we were burying Jeff's son. 17 months later, we were burying Jeff. He died of cancer of the esophagus at the age of 54. In less than a year and a half, my sister-in-law lost her son and her husband. You have an explanation for this? You got a way to deal with this? Is this a problem with a solution? Is this a question with an answer? No, life doesn't work like that. And you know it doesn't work like that. And to describe Christianity in those terms is to falsify the message. This is not what it's about. My sister-in-law, she never asked why. She asked what. She never said, why, God, did you do this to me? She said, what, God, can you make of this? And I said, Shelly, i got to tell your story. And I told it, a book I wrote called The Art of Being You. And it was such a delight to get to write a book, major publishers, Zondervan put it out, it's hardback. It's like, this is, I'm a book nerd. Any book nerds here? A few of you? All right. Well, I'm in good company because I am one. I love books, man. I collect them. I read them. I smell them. It's like, I can't do a Kindle because it smells like plastic, you know. <laughs> I just love books. I love books. So to get to write one, major publisher, hardback, this is a book nerd's dream, I'm living the dream. And I was so excited. I, you know, I'm a tactile guy, so I just wanted to hold it in my hands, you know. And so I told him, I gave him my cell number, and I said, um, when the books come out, when the books arrive, would you call me? Because wherever I am, 
I want to come down and I want to open the first box and I want to hold the first book in my hands, you know? It happened. They called me. My cell phone rang. I had left my lunch on the table. Fair Oaks, my wife, sitting on the deck. And I'd raced down to the Sutter General Hospital emergency room to the bedside of my brother. who at the age of 49 had a massive stroke and died. And I'm standing next to his bed, all alone, everybody left. And I'm standing just looking at my only brother. And my phone rang. Your books are here. This is absurd. One of the coolest things, one of the uncoolest things to ever happen to me, both, both happened in the same moment. Look, you're, trying, you're spending your life trying to explain life. You're trying to get a reason. You want to have logic, and you want it to make sense, and you want to understand it. Give up now. It's not going to work for you, all right? I have, like Job, demanded that God come down and explain himself to me, and he says, and you are who? <laughs> exactly that you should command me? Look, life doesn't make sense. Get used to it. Christianity is not to give you the answer. It's just to prepare you for the mystery. Jesus and Paul both talk about the mystery of the kingdom of God, the mystery of godliness. How can we, how can we represent ourselves that we have the answers? You don't have the answers. You have redemption. Even that is a mystery. You have a relationship, a mystical relationship with a living God who is invisible but active right here and right now. That's a mystery. Proclaim the mystery of the kingdom of God. I'm telling you all this for a couple of reasons. One, I told you those stories because I, sometimes we think we're alone. Bad stuff like this only happens to people like me. But it happens to all of us. Nobody gets a free pass. Nobody gets a get-out-of-jail card. Everybody has pain. And the other reason is that everybody on some day needs a reminder. When the clouds are low and the day is dark, future seems so uncertain. Life seems bad. God is good. God is good. I wrote this song for myself and then I started sharing it with people because we all need this, don't we? Maybe it's a, that kind of day for you today. And maybe today you need this reminder. God is good, God is good, all the plans He has for us are good. God is good, always good, we can trust His love for us, for God is good. God is good. God is good, yeah, all the plans He has for us are good. God is good, always good, we can trust His love for us, for God is good. He made the mountains, you say, God is good. He made the valleys, you say, God is good. All through the ages, God is good. He never changes, God is good. So remember, God is good, God is good. All the plans He has for us are good. God is good, always good. We 
trust his love for us for God is good he makes the sun shine God is good and he makes the thunder God is good in all the bright times God is good and even through the very dark times so always remember and never forget that God is good. God is good. All the plans He has for us are good. Yeah. God is good. Always good. Always good. We can trust His love for us. For God is good. We can trust. We can trust His love for us. For God is good. We can trust, we can trust His love for us. For God is good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe you could tack that up on your fridge or put it on your desktop or tattoo it on your forearm. You know, something just to remind yourself every day that God is good because you know what? There are a lot of voices telling you otherwise. Our society is increasingly antagonistic to the message of the love of God. And they're telling you God is bad, Jesus is bad, Christianity is bad, Christians are bad, you are bad. You need at least one voice, even if it's your own, reminding you that God is good. Those are lies. Those are lies. The truth is that God is good. He is good. He's never been anything but good, and he always will be good. It is intrinsic to his nature. God is good. One more song? Okay. And it's a song. I'm trying to get you to the restaurants before the Baptists. They're, they're so selfish, those Baptists. They hog all the best spots, you know. Okay, don't, don't come up and talk to me about I was raised a Baptist, okay? So I'm just, I'm, it's friendly, friendly fire. But one more song, and it's a song about death, just to kind of lighten up the mood. <laughs> so I wrote this after my father passed away. And uh, you can take that off if you want. You can move to the next one. Yeah, there we go. That's good. It's a song I wrote after my father died, and I was missing him a lot because my dad had a big influence. I, I'm not going to tell you the story, but the story is on the live album out there. It, uh, my dad was an orphan, and, you know, orphans are orphans their whole life. It was wrecking up his life because he never could feel loved, never could feel success. It just was a difficulty, and it began to, to tear him apart. His marriage was falling apart career as a Southern Baptist preacher, chaplain in the Air Force. And then he had an encounter with God, a vision, and a lot of miraculous things happened in that vision, and he was completely reborn, remade. Even though he was already a believer, he was so different. I was 17, and I thought, man, whatever happened to you, I got to have that, because that is power and love, perfectly balanced. And so... That's why I committed myself to Jesus. And so when my father died, I felt rudderless. I felt alone. I fe I'd been slipstreaming, you know, behind him for so long that now suddenly there's nothing between me and it. So I missed him a lot, sitting all alone in this little cabin up in Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, Canada. About a month after he died, I wrote this little song. And I wrote it about heaven, dedicated it to my father, and I gave it a Scottish feel because we are Scottish. We're the Kilpatrick family of the Calhoun clan of the Scots. Okay. I've been in Scotland recently several times, and i got to tell you something. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean 24-7 over there. <laughs> when they want to say yes, they go, aye. I'm always looking for a peg leg and a parrot. It's like, <laughs> but the, look, those are my people. And so I gave this song a Scottish feel, and I gave you a part in the chorus of the song. And your part goes like this. Hey-ho, hey-ho, 
And just in case you have trouble memorizing your part, we put it on the screens for you. I know it's tough, so just a little help. We're nice like that. Okay, sing it with me. We go, hey, ho, hey. This morning, you are an honorary member of the Kilpatrick family of the Calhoun clan of the Scots, which means you've got to sing like a Scot. Scots don't sing softly. They don't go, hey, ho, and then hey, you know, ho. They sing with gusto. You got to sing with gusto this morning. And generally, a Scot is never, ever just singing. But as he's singing, he's hoisting his, his, his cup of tea. <laughs> so, I don't know what you were thinking. So I want you to get your teacups out. Do this with me. Come on, let's be silly together. Nobody's too spiritual or too cool, too young or too old. And as you wave your teacup, you'll sing, hey, ho. That's, that's good volume, man. I love it. I love it. Sometimes I go into places and they just, I can't sing that song. It just sounds too ungodly. <laughs> well, that's okay with me. Don't sing it, you know. So, okay. But I love your volume. So, okay, I'm going to cue you for your part by pointing. All right? That's your cue. It's not when I arch my eyebrows. It's not when I twitch my elbow. It's not when I do anything with the neck of my guitar. Because I've done all those things and people go, that's a sign. Hey, and then they're embarrassed. I don't want you to be embarrassed. It's when I point. But when I point, don't be shy. Get your teacup out or, or whatever it is your doctrine allows and sing as loud as you dare, okay? It's your way of just saying amen to what I'm singing in this song. This is for my dad. My father is there And I am there in my house And sometimes I long to slip away To join the ones who've departed The mighty cloud of witnesses Bears silent testimony when I shall join the ranks of them, I'll worship Jesus only. One of these days we'll all be home, say hey-ho, hey-ho. Over the hills, no more to roam, say hey joy and gladness one of these days we'll all be home say hey ho hey ho the powers of earth and all that glitters and glimmers will darken our hearts will weaken our hope we must always remember that we will shed this thin mortality and we will slip beyond the veil the darkened mirror laid aside and face to face will hail him one of these days we'll all be home say Oh, hey, oh. Over the hills, no more to roam. Say, hey, oh, hey. Yes, our sorrow and all of our sadness will turn to joy and gladness. One of these days, we'll all be home. Say, hey, oh, hey. Sing it again. Say, hey. Time and hold it out loud. Hey ho, hey, hey, hey ho. Woo. 
One of these days, we'll all be home. You are going home with us, aren't you? You're going to be there? Here's another question for you. Are you at peace with God today? Because if you aren't, why aren't you? I can't think of any reason why you should be at war with him when he wants to be at peace with you. Why not make peace with God today? You say, Bob, how do I do that? Pray. <laughs> it's been a long time. Let me give you a prayer to pray, okay? Just pray this. Yes, Jesus. Yes. You don't have to get your doctrine right. You don't have to come to the right place while we sing the right song and pray the right little prayer. Get the person right. Okay? We're talking about Jesus. He loves you so much that you don't have to get all the details right. If you'll say yes to him, he'll say yes to you. All right? And then find Pastor Don afterwards and go, uh, I said yes. Now what do I do? Because <laughs> you know why he's here? He's here to walk with you as you walk with God. That's what he's here for. That's his job, plain and simple. I am one too. I pastor a church on Friday nights in Santa Rosa. And we both have the same call. Walk with people as they walk with God. Let him do what God called him to do. Okay? Amen. Okay, we're going to receive an offering. Uh, the first church, first service people were warned about this. <laughs> you weren't forewarned. <laughs> but we are going to receive an offering if you want to give. Now let me say this about giving. If you want to give, give. And if you don't want to give, don't give, okay? It's really easy. Give cheerfully. Keep your grumpy money for pizza, all right? <laughs> you don't have to give. But if you wanted to give, you could to my ministry. Now you're saying, well, what is your ministry? Well, I got a Ferrari payment that's... <laughs> okay, I don't have a Ferrari. <laughs> I've never had a Ferrari. Don't want a Ferrari. You know what I want to do? I want to buy airplane tickets. I travel a lot. I was in South America just uh, about two months ago. I was in India and Hong Kong and China last year. I've been in China five times. I'm going back in May because we have this crazy little miracle. I'm not going to give you as full an explanation as I gave the first service because I had more time. And like I said, the Baptists are, you know, at the restaurants right now. You may as well relax. <laughs> but I have a friend of mine, a young friend named Galen Crew, who's an independent Christian artist, doesn't have a label. His music is not distributed, not in America, not anywhere. It, I mean, it is on iTunes, but uh, there's nobody working to promote him. But he called me a couple of months ago, just before Christmas, he called me and, and said... Uh, I don't know what's been happening, but I, I guess I'm getting kind of popular in China. I keep getting fan mail from people in China. And I don't know what to do about it. Maybe we should go over and maybe, you know, should I, should I go to China and sing or something there? And I said, yeah, hey, I'll go with you. He goes, yes, because he knows I've been there. And I've taken other friends. Phil Joel from the Newsboys went with me, and Phil is the one that introduced me to Galen. And so Phil went with me to China, and Galen knew that, so... He said, yeah, man, that'd be great if you'd go with me. I said, yeah, we'll just, we'll have a little adventure. Then we find out, I'm going to cut it really short, but we find out he's not just popular. He's the most popular Western artist in China. He has millions and millions of plays on his music. He's more popular than Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift or Coldplay. He's just blown them out of the water, gone right past them. His producer on Christmas Eve was in a Chinese restaurant in Minneapolis with his family. And they're listening. It's Chinese people own this restaurant. And they're playing Chinese music on the, 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 uh, the sound. And then suddenly he recognizes a song. And he asks, this is the producer. And he asks the waitress, what is this? And she goes, oh, that's Galen Crew. She and says to him, he's more popular than Justin Bieber. <laughs> like that. This is at Christmas, Christmas Eve, you know. And he goes, well, I, I know who that is. I produced that song. Ah, can I have your autograph? 
she's so excited, you know, and he called Galen from the restaurant and said, Galen, what is going on? Galen goes, I don't know. <laughs> Two days after Galen called me, that was in the first part of December, we got uh, a letter from an agency in Beijing that says, we'd like to invite Galen to come over and tour and uh, in the four biggest cities, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen, and we'll, we'll pay for his expenses. And I said, Galen, look, I'll, I'll be like your manager, okay? We'll play secular. I mean, it's really difficult in China. I've been there a bunch. It's difficult in China to cross the line between religious and secular, between international and local. There are lots of demarcations drawn. It's very difficult to get over that line. Galen is over that line in a big, big way. And the doors that are opening up to us, we're getting, we're getting to play Cities. in universe. They're put, I mean, it's just incredible. And so I said, Galen, let me just, I'll be your manager, but I'm really going to be your prayer partner. <laughs> I'm going to go and I'm going to help with the sound and I'm going to help with everything else. And then I'm going to be praying. I'm the prayer support. My, my grandson is going because he speaks Chinese already. He went with me two years ago and he said, Grandpa, you can leave me here. And I said, yeah, your parents would love me if I did that. So we're not doing that. But he wants to go back. He plays violin. He played violin with me. He's going to play with Galen on four or five of the songs in the concert. And then he'll be his personal translator. You know why they like him in China? It's because he's clean. He's clean. And they can't figure it out. Why are you not like all these other pop stars? You're clean. Well, when they come up, to him after the concert, my grandson will be there. They'll be able to tell them why he's clean. Isn't that cool? Galen loves God. My grandson loves God. And they are going to represent themselves and Jesus in a way that will draw these people in. Woo them. Draw them. Compel them into the court. If you want to help, that's what you're giving to. They're going to pay Galen's way over there. They're not paying my way. They're not paying my grandson's way. We're, we're raising the money to do that. And why are we doing it? It's not because this is a, a commercial endeavor. It's because we are missionaries. We're being sent. And when they ask me, what are you doing here? I'm going, uh, I'm his manager. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him I'm his prayer covering, man. I'm his prayer partner. So if you want to give, that's what you're giving to. You'll help me buy a ticket and a, two tickets. They're about $1,500 each to get over there. That's just to get there. It's not in-country travel. So if you want to help, that's what you're giving to. Uh, if you want to help and you only brought two quarters and no checkbook, you can give electronically at the back table. Uh, debit, credit card, whatever you want to use. And you can even combine it with uh, getting the CDs and the books. So, you, you know, I want one of everything and plus this. You can do that. And uh, you'll get the same deduction because we are recognized by the IRS. <laughs> All right. Pastor Don, you want to come back and receive this? And then can I come back and bless them? Yes. So it's important that uh, it's amazing the way God does things. Bob shared in first <laughs> service, he has a gentleman who is a, uh, and even how we look at our lives, he has a gentleman who is a friend who is a, a diesel mechanic. And he travels around the world, but he works on diesel engines on... <laughs> ships and, and that's and big like ships that. yeah big ships and transports and barges and stuff like that and he goes to different countries but while he's there god uses him in evangelism and he starts getting people saved and then while he's there by the time he leaves they'll have 20 30 40 50 people and then he leaves the area and then he sets somebody's leadership over that house church and next thing you know he's planted a church and so through being a diesel mechanic he's in nations and places where <laughs> He probably wouldn't get any other way. It's and true. through your gifts and your talents, God can take you places. 
and open doors. He's using Galen in this way through his music. And there's places that we can go. We have a Lord's gym for the same reason, to yeah. go into our community in a way that we wouldn't be able to go another way. So when you give to these areas, that's what you're doing. God's using this gift to reach souls. And like I said, when we received our offering, what we do is we just sow into lives. Amen? Sow into making a difference. So we thank you for your support this morning. Father, Amen. this morning, we thank you. Mm. God, for your grace. <laughs> and Father, we understand we are your plan. You're the one that uses us to preach the gospel. Sometimes through our gifts, our talents, our abilities. Other times just through our giving to empower others to walk through the doors that you open. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the ministry we've received. We thank you for the encouragement, Lord, that you are always good. No matter what season we are in, you're a good God. And we love you and we thank you for you truly are a good Father. Yeah. We love you. Hallelujah. So, Father, today we just thank you for choosing to use us. And you never ask for anything without desiring to multiply it back to us. So, Lord, today as your people give, I pray your multiplication, your increase over their lives, that they can continue to abound and that through their giving you would receive the praise and the glory and the thanksgiving that comes back to you. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, Amen. ushers. We receive the offering. Amen. By the way, Don, that, uh, that diesel mechanic is from Reading. His name is Mike Monahan. You, you might even know him. <laughs> That's who I'm talking about. He was my brother-in-law's best friend. They lived together in the Salt House downtown. Bill Johnson started this little thing called the Salt House. And they lived together, and Mike started traveling the world. He was a best, uh, I mean, a groomsman in my brother-in-law's wedding when I performed that little thing, you know. And so, I mean, Thailand, Saudi Arabia, uh, Dubai, he's planted churches in so many places. And all by accident. He doesn't, if you know him, you know he did it by accident. He just wins people to Jesus, and they just stay, you know. I'm sorry. Okay, hey, if you want to follow along with us, what we're doing, uh, I want to give you this guy's name because it, I think it's going to be, it's just an adventure for us, and I think we could have a lot of fun. His name is Galen Crew, G-A-L-E-N, and his last name is C-R-E-W. And if you friend him on Facebook, uh, I, I think you'll be able to follow along because, well, now you can't, there's no Facebook in China, so you can't get online and post from China on Facebook. They have Weibo. W-E-I-B-O. But if you go to Weibo.com slash Galen Crew, you can follow it along on there as well. You just have to read Chinese. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> but you can try that. W-E-I-B-O, Weibo.com slash Galen Crew. Hey, there are CDs and books out there, and you should go out and buy them. All of them. You'll like them if you don't. Send them back to me. I won't send your money back or anything. I just want them back again if you don't like them. <laughs> no, we will. We'll refund your money. There are one, two, three. There are six CDs back there, and they range from very quiet. This is ambient prayer music meant to just be a backdrop to your time with the Lord. Very quiet. Favorites. Uh, the live one I told you about. And the worship songs there, and this one you need to stay away from because it's rock and roll. It's loud and fast, but it's my favorite album I've ever done, but it is rock and roll. Then there are two books, and if you're only going to get one thing, these are the cheapest things on the table. I mean, those are 15 each. These are 10. Um, but if you're only going to get one thing, would you get this book, Secrets of the Silence, The Power of Praying Without Words? Uh, it's a 21-day journey into learning to make prayer a dialogue, not just a monologue. If there's no silence in your prayer time, then the conversation hasn't started. Because the first secret of silence is it's for listening. And if you're talking your prayers and ending them yourself and leaving, you're missing the best part. God says in Psalm 81, 13, Oh, that my people would listen to me. What a powerful, powerful statement that is. If you'll listen, God will speak to you. And so this book is to help you to do that. And then this one, I wrote a companion piece to this one because this one is called Sacred Synergy, The Power of Praying Together because it's something that the church doesn't do anymore. 
we will work together, we'll evangelize together, we'll eat together, we'll worship together, but we don't pray together anymore. And we should. We should meet here, right in this room, and we should have a prayer time. And all of you should be there for it. And you should be kneeling down and hearing the Christians around you raising their voice in supplication for our nation and our state and our counties and our cities. So I encourage you to get that one as well. And then you get one of everything. And when you do, you get this designer bag. <laughs> that's, my wife's, that's my wife's touch. She said, oh, we have to just, I go, cool. <laughs> Let's put it out there. Let me bless you with a benediction. Would you lift your hands with your palms open and empty? Lift your face and smile heavenward and receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine down upon you and give you And give you peace. Go in peace and may the God of peace be with you now and forevermore, even as he is.